0: So we have been preaching through the book of Isaiah all summer this year. And as we've been studying and preparing messages and as you've been listening to these sermons, there are some big themes that have come up over and over again in Isaiah. And one of the themes is the condemnation of sin and the offer of forgiveness, the threat of punishment and the offer of blessing. Over and over, Isaiah points out the sins of his people And calls on them to turn to God for redemption. God wants to forgive us. He wants to wipe away our sin so that we can be holy and pure and live with him in eternity forever in paradise. An example of a passage emphasizing that theme is from Isaiah chapter 1, where it says, Come now. Let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Another big theme In Isaiah is the promise of a coming Messiah who would suffer uh, and win our salvation through his suffering. Passages like this one are a great example of that theme. Where it says here in Isaiah chapter 53, it says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. uh, in Isaiah, and the one that we've been focusing on for the last uh, two weeks, and that uh, is going to be our main theme again tonight, is the theme of justice. It's a major theme of the book, right from chapter one, uh, where the, in our first sermon, we talked about this, the, the message in chapter one is, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow comes up again in chapter 10. Woe to those who make unjust laws to those who issue oppressive decrees to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows, their prey and robbing the fatherless. What will you do on the day of reckoning when disaster comes from afar to whom will you run for help? Where will you leave your riches? In Isaiah chapter 1, it sums it all up by saying, For I, the Lord, love justice. And all throughout the book of Isaiah, the word justice and these themes around the idea of justice come up over and over again. And uh, one of the climactic passages uh, uh, is, is in the section that this month's memory verse comes from. Here it is from Isaiah 58, where it says, You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free And to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your life will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. God is not impressed with religion that does not include and result in concern for justice and concern for the needs of the poor. In fact, as Pastor Mike pointed out in uh, his his sermon on this passage, that kind of religion actually makes God angry. It is counterproductive. You are not pleasing God at all. You are angering God when you Perform acts of religious ritual like fasting or attending church services or prayers or whatever it is while you ignore the call for justice. And as we've studied this uh, theme of justice throughout Isaiah this summer, of course, justice has also been a hot topic in our culture and in our nation. Many in our society are crying out for justice to be done. We want to see a more just world. And of course, uh, that, is, uh, that desire is in perfect accordance with the will of God, as we have seen, as we've uh, been studying Isaiah all summer. God wants justice. It's incredibly important to him that we practice justice, that we prioritize justice justice. Another key passage from another part of the Bible about the importance of justice is in the, uh, the prophet Micah. Uh, the theme here is very similar to what we've just seen in Isaiah. Micah also condemns the religious practices of the people of his day and calls them to do justice. Here it is in Micah chapter six. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He's, he's ratcheting up the uh, exaggeration here from offering a, a cow to 10,000 to rivers full of oil. all these, And even offering your own children as a sacrifice. No, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Jesus uh, put it this way He said, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. God does not want your worship unless it is accompanied by a life characterized by the pursuit of justice. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. But last week, in Pastor Mike's message, he gave us a bit of a warning. You see, the sad thing is that American churches really have not by and large, done a very good job of teaching Christians about biblical justice, and as a result, um, there are two common mistakes that uh, that people make. One is that many Christians simply do not see a concern for justice and for doing justice as a key part of what it is to be a Christian. But as we have just seen, the Bible teaches that God considers justice an essential, absolutely essential part of what it means to be a follower of God. The other problem is that those who do feel that urge to work for justice are turning to secular society and adopting views of justice and means of justice from the world. And while secular justice advocates are doing some good work in the world, uh, they are, are, are starting with a flawed understanding of what justice is. And because of those imperfect philosophical foundations, some Christians have ended up supporting organizations that are not seeking God's vision of justice. Occasionally, they are even seeking goals that are contrary to God's Vision of justice. And that was the main theme from Mike's message last week. Be careful that you are not adopting a sub Christian understanding of justice, either through simple ignorance of biblical teaching or by being misled by secular justice philosophies. There is a better way. We must be concerned for justice but let's understand justice as the Bible teaches us. And that will be the main idea of the rest of my message this morning. What is the biblical definition of justice and why is it so important to God? What does Malachi mean when he says that God requires us to act justly? There are are really two Hebrew words that are both translated into our English Bibles as justice. And uh, the words are mishpat and tzadikah. And yes, my Hebrew pronunciation is perfect on those two words. Don't don't doubt that. I I, I pronounce them exactly the same way that Isaiah did. So uh, mishpat is about punishing wrongdoers and caring for the victims of unjust treatment. So let's unpack that a little bit. Mishpat is about making sure that the guilty receive appropriate consequences for their sins and making sure that those who are not guilty are not being punished. And that, of course, is done in a a criminal justice system for the most part. But, you know, if you're a parent and you have multiple children then you know that all those parents are also judges who are judging between people and settling disputes and dispensing justice, um, making sure that we settle disputes fairly and making sure that the strong are not able to simply overpower the weak. But God is imminently concerned with these things and we should be too. The Bible contains statements like, The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. In the book of Proverbs, it tells us, acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, the Lord detests them both. The Bible also teaches us an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth which is a statement uh, that means that the punishment must fit the crime. It was to protect uh, the guilty from being crushed by an unfair punishment that God made that law in the law of Moses. Overly harsh sentences for crimes are just as inappropriate as overly lenient ones. So of course the question then is, how are our laws here in America today? Are we too lenient? Are we too harsh? I I, I think it's some of both. Uh, But let us look for ways that we can improve our criminal justice system and make sure that we are giving appropriate punishments for offenses. Making sure that everyone receives a fair trial no matter their race or economic status, making sure that excessively long prison sentences are reserved for those who truly deserve them. And yes, each of us does have a small say in things like this. Through political activism and the ballot box, we can influence the laws of our land and make them more just. And of course, we have great power in judging justly uh, in other matters in our lives, especially those parents who have to judge their children. Take the time to do it right. Listen to your kids. Take the, put the effort in to judge rightly. So that's one part of biblical justice, but that's just one part. The other side of mishpat is redressing the wrongs that have been done we must comfort those who are the victims of wrongdoing. Of course, the Bible presents it as primarily the responsibility of the one who has done harm to repay their victim. But the Bible also teaches that it is a responsibility of us all to help those who have needs, especially those who are needy because they have been mistreated and because they have been abused and because they have been victims of injustice. That too is part of justice. And then the other Hebrew word, uh, tzadikah is another side of justice. Oftentimes these two Hebrew words, uh, mishpat and tzadikah are used together in the Bible. And in those cases, instead of translating them both as justice, they usually translate uh, uh, them as justice and righteousness. When you see those two words in the Bible uh, put together, that's these two words, and they both mean uh, different aspects of justice. Tzedakah has elements of our English words, justice and righteousness, Um, It especially has that concept of righteousness included, even when it is used by itself and translated as justice. But especially when the two words are together, they convey the idea of justice and righteousness being combined or connected. And that uh, tzadikah, justice or righteousness, refers to living in such a way that we are in right relationship With others. Each person is treated correctly, whether that's how we treat God, how we treat our families, uh, how we treat the other people of God around us, or also how we treat strangers. Uh, When we live in this way, we are treating everyone with justice and righteousness. We are treating people without partiality and without prejudice. We are recognizing that all people are made in the image of God and are worthy of respect, compassion, love and mercy. There's a lot to this concept of tzedakah and the need for people uh, to need to treat people appropriately. And a big part of it is treating people with equality and with fairness. Four times in the Old Testament law, it specifically commands God's people that uh, the same laws must apply to the native-born Israelite and to the immigrant foreigner who is living among them. Because God knows that it would be easy for them to have prejudice against those foreigners and to have preference for their own people. But God says, no, they must be treated equally. This is also what the book of James is talking about, where in James chapter two, it says, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there. Or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? If you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. The example James uses of a rich man and a poor man being offered different seats in a church service, that's a little outside of what we would normally do. But but do we really treat rich and poor the same? Do we treat a homeless person the same way we treat the one who drives up in a new Mercedes? This is part of the biblical idea of justice. We must treat the poor and the powerless with the same respect that we would treat anyone else. Because they are made in the image of God and they are worthy of equal treatment. And of course, the same goes for gender equality and racial equality. That example in James is about economic treatment, but the same goes for all these other areas as well. The Bible teaches us that, quote, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I mean, obviously the Bible's not denying that these differences exist. It, what it's saying is that none of these Uh, Differences are consequential to God. None of these groups are superior to the others. None of them are less than the others. Race, economic status, and gender are not to be factors in showing prejudice or favoritism. God's justice demands equal treatment. So those are some of the broad contours of biblical justice. Punish wrongdoers uh, with appropriate consequences. Never condemn the innocent. Help those who are victims of injustice. Treat one another as equals and with the appropriate status as those who bear the image of God. Now, in order to see better how this kind of justice works itself out in real life, we're going to take a look at a biblical example of a man who lived this out. Um, obviously Jesus is our great example of all kinds of righteousness and justice. And he was the perfect example of everything, but we're going to look at somebody else this time. We're going to look at another guy from the Bible. Um, uh, We're going to look at a guy named Job and the book of Job starts out like this This is the first verse of the book of Job. It says in the land of Uz." Weird name for a land, Uz maybe, Uz, I don't know. In the land of Uz, there was a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Now, I'm sure that Job was not sinless and perfect in everything he ever did, uh, but he is an example of a man who God considered to be blameless and upright he was a man who acted justly loved mercy and walked humbly with his god you know the story though of job right god gave satan permission to send tragedies into job's life in order to test the his commitment to god and his worship of god and it was really bad he lost all of his money his children, and his health. Things were horrible for Job. Then his friends showed up, and a lengthy discussion ensued in which they argued that the fact of his circumstances and all the bad things that had happened to him must necessarily be the result of his sins. And for this much bad stuff to happen, Job's sins must be really bad. But Job protests his innocence. In chapters 29 and 31, Job defends himself by giving a description of his life before all this stuff happened to him. A life that is described as blameless and upright, fearing God and shunning evil. And Job does mention in these chapters his sexual ethics. He states, uh, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. And he declares that he has never pursued another man's wife. But the majority of the description of his life is stuff like this. This is from Job chapter 29. It says, whoever heard me spoke well of me, and those who saw me commended me. Now, why did people look up to Job? He tells in the next verse, verse 12, uh, because I rescued the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to assist them. Job mentions the fatherless right there. Um, And in the next verse, he mentions widows. And then a couple of verses down, he mentions immigrants. And those three groups are mentioned over and over in the Bible as those who uh, we are to show special concern for. Why? Because they are the powerless of society. There was no husband, no father to look out for them and support them. And so they were vulnerable to being mistreated. Immigrants, too, were in a vulnerable position, not understanding the culture, not having the support structure that native citizens have. And so God demands that we show special concern for these people. That, and here Job declares that he has. He has been an advocate for the fatherless. Moving on into verse 13, it says, The one who was dying blessed me. I made the widow's heart sing. I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger. Stranger there is the immigrant or the foreigner who's living among them. And then Job uses this terrific word picture to describe his role as a justice advocate. He says, I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth. What a picture that is. Uh, And that is what God wants from us. Do you want to live a life that is blameless and upright, fearing God and shunning evil? Then put on righteousness as your clothing and justice as your robe and your turban. Break the fangs of the wicked and snatch the victims from their mouths. So who are these wicked whose fangs need to be broken? Well, they are those who do not treat others with tzaddikah. Um, They show favoritism. They oppress the poor. They take advantage of the powerless widows and orphans. They fail to treat the homeless with respect. They abuse the rights of immigrants. And as Christians, we are called to be like Job, to smash these people in the mouth and break their fangs, to rescue people from them. Job goes on in chapter 31 to describe more of his life of righteousness. He says, if I have denied justice to any of my servants, whether male or female, when they had a grievance against me, what will I do when God confronts me? What will I answer when called to account? Did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form us both within our mothers? See how Job argues that he cannot treat people unjustly because we are all people made by God. We are all the same. He says, verse 16, chapter 31, verse 16. If I have denied the desires of the poor or let the eyes of the widow grow weary, if I have kept my bread to myself, not sharing it with the fatherless, if I have seen anyone perishing for lack of clothing or the needy without garments and their head their hearts did not bless me for warming them with the fleece from my sheep, If I have raised my hand against the fatherless, knowing that I had influence in court, then let my arm fall off from the shoulder. Let it be broken off at the joint, for I dreaded destruction from God, and for fear of his splendor I could not do such things. What things could Job not do? Deny justice to those who worked for him. Deny the desires of the poor. Let the eyes of the widows grow weary, fail to provide warm clothing for those who needed it. Keep his bread to himself and not share it with the fatherless. Those were the things that Job could not do because he feared The Lord, he feared the splendor of God and dreaded judgment from God. And so he could do none of these things. Job knew that to live a life that did not include radical generosity for those around him who had needs would incur the wrath of God. It would be sin to keep his bread to himself. That is the biblical portrait of a man who wears justice and righteousness as his clothing. He is a model of what God wants from us in terms of justice. One more theological point that I want to make before we spend some time thinking about specific applications of this teaching is this. We oftentimes think of personal morality as a different category than concern for social and economic equality. Often those of us who have a more conservative theological and political viewpoint emphasize personal morality. Things like sexual ethics, honesty, integrity, those are key elements of what God requires from us. Those of us who are more liberal in their theology and politics often think that the most important things that God requires from us are concern for the poor and issues of racial and social justice. But the Bible and God does not allow us to make a distinction here. We are not allowed to see one as more important over the other. These are not really even two sides of the same coin. They're all the same thing. Job was sexually faithful to his wife and he cared for the poor and needy. Neither was unimportant to him or to God. Those who emphasize some aspects of morality while downplaying the importance of others are wrong. God weaves into a whole cloth what today we would call private morality and social justice. They are not two separate things. There's so much more that could be said here, but we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about specific ways that we can follow the example of Job in pursuing justice. Job says that he breaks the fangs of the wicked and rescues their victims from their mouths let me recommend three clear ways that you can do exactly that. There are three Christian organizations that are helping the needy and fighting against injustice in our world today. There's more than three, but these are three that I'm going to highlight for you right now. The First one is free Burma Rangers. I'm not going to take time to describe what it is that they do. Most of you that are uh, part of Clearwater church are familiar with the free Burma Rangers. If you're not, uh, you must watch the Free Burma Rangers movie. It's available on Amazon. It'll cost you a couple of dollars. It's worth it. Watch that movie. Um, there are a number of ways that you can get involved and support the work that they're doing, rescuing people from the jaws of the wicked. Another organization you could get involved with uh, that's also in Southeast Asia is Destiny Rescue. Destiny Rescue was started with some Australian Christians were in Thailand and they saw young girls being sold as prostitutes in the brothels in Bangkok. And they could not stand idly by. And they established this organization. They now rescue underage girls from these, these uh, places in several countries around the world. This is from their website. They say, Destiny Rescue exists to rescue, restore, protect, empower, and be a voice for the voiceless. Since 2011, we have rescued more than 5,200 people enslaved around the world, helped keep hundreds more from entering the sex trade through our various prevention programs, ensured justice for those who have been wrong, and raised awareness to an untold number of people. Now, Those are organizations that are far off in other parts of the world. You can give money to them, but it is not impossible for you to get directly involved in their work. Find out how, go to their websites, find out more, research those things. You can go and be a part of it. Fight for justice, help the needy. Right here in Anchorage, another organization that's doing something similar is called Priceless. Priceless Alaska is fighting sex trafficking right here in Anchorage and around Alaska. And ladies, you could become a priceless mentor and help a victim of sex trafficking to build a healthy, vibrant, and self-sustaining life. Um, Another great organization that's doing things uh, to help the needy right here in Anchorage, a little bit of a different uh, angle on it, is Habitat for Humanity. There's a variety of opportunities to get involved with Habitat for Humanity right here in Anchorage and and also in in other places too, but uh, it's not just for construction workers. There are a variety of ways that you can get involved with Habitat for Humanity. One more I wanna mention real quick here uh, is uh, the Equal Justice Initiative. If you feel that you want to be involved in that cause of seeking better criminal justice for our country, the Equal Justice Initiative with uh, uh, Brian Stevenson, another great organization to get involved with. Again, there's a great movie that can explain the kind of things that they do. Uh, it's a new movie just came out this year called Just Mercy. Look it up on Amazon; it's worth watching as well. Um, and now, uh, there, there's there's so many other ways that you can that you can be involved in uh, in, uh, in in justice issues. Another great one right here in Anchorage is the Community Pregnancy Center. It's a Christian ministry that seeks not just to reduce abortions, but also to support the parents who are going through these uh, unplanned pregnancies. Um, Look, there's so many ways that you can be involved in seeking justice and doing God's justice in your life right now. And I'm going to invite Andrea uh, McCormick to come up right now to tell you about a place that she's involved here in Anchorage that has Space for you also to be a hero, be a job, and get involved in seeking justice. Andrea. Thank
1: you. Oh, can I have?
0: Can I have your stand? Oh yes. <laughs> thank you.
1: Okay. Well, thank you, Pastor James. That was very inspiring and very, very good. And. It led right into what I was um, ready to talk about tonight, and that is the memory verse of this month and how we can walk in that. It starts out with, is not this the kind of fasting that I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? Well, when I hear those words, I say, wow, how are we supposed to loose injustice? It seems like such a big task, and I have no idea. How can I make that practical? but I can by being aware of what's going on around me, having a voice, and voting. But why would I want to, and how could I ever find the time to do that? That's a question that most of us ask ourselves. I wanna give you an example of a reason why it's so important to know what's going on around us and to be involved. I wanted to let you know, and I think many of you are not aware, that the Planning and Zoning Department of Anchorage has redefined the church and our current assembly has approved it. I want to read to you their new definition of how they define us, the church. A church is a standalone building that is used solely for the purpose of that. What does that say about our church, about Clearwater? We meet outside and we meet in a school building This might not sound like a big deal that we've been redefined of who we are, but it has already had terrible implications and negative impact on a church and ministry. If there's anyone that would like more information about that, you're welcome to contact me and I can tell you. I have never, ever, ever in my life been a political person in any sense of the word. I've always voted, but I have not liked politics. I've even been known to say I hate it. But these past two years, for some reason, God has put me on the front lines to stand for his church and his ministries. One way we can help loose injustice is by attending our local community council meetings. They're right in our neighborhoods. And if you go to muni.org, they list out where your community council meets, what time, it's once a month, And right now, they're doing it on Zoom. They even post that Zoom address. And so you don't even have to leave your home. The thing that you can do by attending these meetings and getting involved is just listen. Just listen and hear what's going on. You also will be able to have a voice. You'll be able to speak up and voice what's important to you and voice your opinion and creative ideas. At these um, council meetings, this is where our assembly people come from. You'll be able to get more acquainted with them as well when you attend. You can see what they stand for and what are the things that they promote. Are they things that are what you want in your neighborhood? And you would be able to have a say there. The need is great right now for us to stand and be involved. The church is under attack. And we must stand against injustice in godly ways. And that's the important thing. God calls us at all times to be humble. To be humble and to love and to be kind. And those things sometimes are challenging to do, but it's what he calls us to do. And we're, we're able to do that with his Holy Spirit. Now I'd like to go on to the easier part of our verse. Really, the part that's easy for all of us to walk in and to do. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? These words are dear to my heart. Our city has many opportunities for all of us to get involved in this. James has listed some and probably will come back and give you some more ideas. Um, But this is something that's simple. But tonight, I'm gonna just talk about one and that's because it's one I'm involved in. Since 2002, I volunteered at the Downtown Soup Kitchen, also known now as the Downtown Hope Center. I raised my son and my husband came along with us, uh, volunteering down there and now we take our grandsons. It's been a real concrete way to live out God's word. The hungry are fed and we shelter 50 of the most vulnerable women in Anchorage. There are many ways to be involved. Volunteering is one of them. And I'm happy to talk about Brian and Kristen Whitson and their family. They've been faithful and loyal volunteers down there. As have many of our other members of our church. But they and their family have decided that this school year, they're going to dedicate Wednesdays to coming down and volunteering as their service project. So they've also said that if anybody is curious and wanna know what it's like to bring a family down to volunteer, please don't hesitate to talk to them about it and they'd be happy to share. Another way also, because maybe volunteering doesn't fit into your schedule, Um, You could donate things. Right now, we're in need of clothing. With winter coming, that's going to be even more so. We're going to need more warm socks. We're going to need denim pants. We're going to need coats, hats, gloves, scarves. So that's always something that could be of use to help clothe the homeless and the working poor. Uh, Also, donations of food are always welcome. Right now, we are starting a campaign to try and fund our women's shelter. It costs $350 for each woman to receive shelter, food, laundry, and care for a month. You could donate to help support one of these precious women. I'd like to tell you why we call these women the most vulnerable of Anchorage. Excuse me if I get a little emotional. I'm very much attached to these women. We have women who are mentally ill that need treatment. We have mentally challenged that need to be in a group home. We have old, old women who need to be in assisted living environment. Many with drug and alcohol issues and also those who have been sex trafficked. They are not safe outside the streets and they are not safe in a shelter with many people, including those of the opposite sex. The one common thread they all have is that they suffer from trauma. They have each experienced extreme trauma of one form or another in their lives. If you have an interest in the Downtown Hope Center, which I hope you do at some level, um, please go to our site online. It's downtownhopecenter.org. The website shows all the ministries we have down there, and I'm sure there'll be a link to something that interests you. So just click on the link, scroll down, and there's an online application. So if you're interested in volunteering, please fill that online application out. Also, there's a number you can call, 277-4302. If you have any problems getting through on the phone or any problems getting through online, please let me know because your um, application and your call should be returned by our volunteer coordinator. My number that you can contact me anytime to ask me questions or to go ahead and help me uh, smooth things out if you're having trouble connecting is 4417369. And now my verse challenge to you is to pray and ask God through the Holy Spirit to show you your next step. Where does he have you going? What does he have you doing? Now go and be blessed. Thank you.
0: Thanks. I hope by now you have seen and that you really feel that doing nothing is not an option for the Christian. Ignoring issues of justice, doing nothing for the poor and needy, that is not an acceptable option for us. But most of you are probably not doing nothing. Uh, Probably you're at least giving something to some organization that serves the poor But Job talked about being a father to the needy, not just about giving them a few dollars as he passes a beggar on the street. Here's what I want to challenge you with right now Are you doing all that you should be doing? Are you seeking justice like Job sought justice? Are you fighting against the wicked who prey on the poor? Are you standing up for the rights of those who can't stand up for themselves? Are you sharing your bread with those who need it? Are you clothing those in need? Job was doing all of those things. Now, it's up to you to figure out exactly how you need to be involved in pursuing justice and serving the needy. But I want all of us to be considering these two questions. Am I doing enough? And how else should I seek to get involved? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, your word, the Bible, challenges us through the words of the prophets. We need to live justly, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you. And Lord, I pray that you would guide us as we seek to do that. Lord, may we be motivated to do that. And may we find the right places where we can do that. Lord, I ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.